Hello, everybody. I'm Radio Johnny, and you are listening to Recovery Radio on KRFP 90.3 FM in Moscow, Pullman. Recovery Radio is recorded live at the Leitar Recovery Center in downtown Moscow. The Recovery Center is located at 531 South Main Street here in Moscow, and you can contact the LRC by phone at 208-883-1045 or by email at Leitar Recovery Center at gmail.com. You can find them on the web at leitarrecoverycenter.org and on Facebook. And Recovery Radio's purpose is to share with our community how addiction and behavioral health disorders affect us all and how we deal with them. We also share the personal stories of people in and around recovery, highlighting their experience, insight, and hope for continued recovery. And like I said before, I am Radio Johnny, and uh, I am here with my guest, uh, Eddie P., in the uh, tiny conference room uh, somewhere in the back of the recovery center. And for uh, as far as the calendar goes, I'm going to skip that this week, but you know, we always have AA meetings here at noon, uh, NA meetings at 7 o'clock. Uh, I think AA is every day except Wednesday. And NA is every day, Monday through Sunday. So if you're looking for one of those meetings, great. If you're looking for a bunch of the other cool offerings we have here, just go to the LetaRecoveryCenter.org website and click on the calendar tab and it'll list out all the cool stuff that's happening here. So today, like I said in the studio, I have Eddie P with me who I've known for oh, a couple of years now, I think. A year? A couple year. of years, yeah. Because he's a newcomer to the area. So welcome, Eddie. Thank you, Johnny. Glad to have you here. Um, why don't we start out with uh, doing a little bit of your uh, personal history before we get into your recovery story. Okay. Uh, my name is Eddie P. I uh, now live in Moscow, Idaho uh, for the last year and a half. I grew up in Southern California in neighborhoods of Los Angeles. I actually went, to, went through high school there and uh, moved around quite a bit. Uh, most of it was in California. Worked there, got married, lived there until uh, life got bad for all the choices that I made with uh, drugs and alcohol. Mm-hmm. So uh, then uh, you came up to Moscow to be with family, I understand. Yes. Uh, yeah, we recently retired, uh, the wife and I, and we have uh, children here and we have grandchildren. So uh, made sense to be near the children, especially the grandchildren. So uh, it worked out well that uh, we were able to find a nice little home here near town, spend time with our children and grandchildren, which is uh, a blessing. There you go. I agree. Fantastic. Uh, so, Ed, um, Eddie, why don't we uh, go ahead and dive into your recovery story? Um, you know, I've heard bits and pieces of it over time, but uh, let's get it all out there and see what it looks like. Okay, let's uh, start with this journey of... Um, Starting at about age 12, I think that's 6th or 7th grade, mm-hmm. um, making the wrong choices at that age already. Uh, decided to uh, start drinking, and I just enjoyed it. I had fun. So uh, I continued that all the way through high school. And um, in high school, I was the, the, the guy that um, would uh, have vodka in my locker. And it became necessary to have vodka in my locker. 
mm-hmm. and that's the only way I made it through high school. Somehow I graduated. To graduate the, the ceremony, um, the principal gave me an option of um, attending an AA meeting. I was 17 years old if I wanted to go through that ceremony. So obviously, I thought I was doing a good job of hiding that vodka in my lockers, but I think teachers and principals knew. That's how it started, my introduction to Alcoholics Anonymous, but again, that was just an introduction, something that was forced upon me. Right. So I really gave it, like, you know, no mind. It was just a hurdle that was in my way for one day. And uh, I just continued drinking, uh, got married, uh, had a job, continued working. Uh, I was going to school for uh, at Cal State Los Angeles, and I went for three and a half years, and I couldn't do that last six months. Now where my alcohol was controlling my life. Uh, it was either stop drinking or finish school. I chose to stop I chose to stop school yeah, because uh, alcohol was more important. And, and then somewhere along the way, the wife and the kids uh, had another choice. You know, stop drinking or choose the wife and the kids. I, don't want, I joke about it now, but it was an easy choice. It was uh, continued drinking. And then now I'm getting ready to lose jobs because of my alcohol and, and other things that I'm doing that aren't legal. Right. So uh, now uh, I, get, I get in a situation where um, you know, I'm crashing cars. I think in my, I don't know why we call this our drinking careers. I always laugh when I hear that. <laughs> but uh, I totaled 10 cars in, 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 that, in that time before I gave up drinking. Got some DUIs, but that didn't stop me. I mean, it stopped me momentarily when right. I'm locked up. Right, right. Puts a, puts a little hitch in your giddy up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it slows me down. And then getting locked up, losing jobs where you don't have money now. When you get to that point, you know, you you start doing things that, uh, again, aren't legal. Sure. sure. You know, to, to, to get get that drink. Right. You know, uh, or, you know, you or you uh, take advantage of people. Sure. You know, that's, that was always uh, an option. Right. Know, and, uh, and, and do it without any remorse. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, when you're feeding that addiction, I mean, it absolutely takes priority and you can feel bad about it or you can rationalize it some other way. I mean, that's what I did. Yeah, yeah. So it was, like I said, so, you know, somewhere along the way, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm having uh, all these things happen in my life, but I continue to choose to be that lifestyle and everything that goes with it. For a while, I lived in Portland, Oregon from uh, 78 to 82. Uh, but again, I got into the same situation up there. The funny thing is when, when you make these we call them geographics. Right. I didn't know what they were, what they were then, but it was me. It was just getting my backpack and leaving town. Sure. So I made it to Portland, and um, same thing started happening. I did really want to stop. Eddie P caught up with Eddie P, you know, or he was there waiting for me. So when I got there, I, I behaved for a while, got a job, you know, bought a house, did all the stuff, and. Uh, but it was just a matter of time before I, what I really wanted to do. Sure. I had an old friend who used to say, 
you know, this great saying goes, no matter where you go, there you are. Yep, yep. And, uh, and I, you know, I found the same kind of people that I like to hang out with, like to do the things that I do. So somewhere along the way, I, I got four, I got more, uh, I got four DUIs up in, up in Portland. And uh, this is 1982. I'm grateful it was back then because I can't even imagine today what that would cause. Uh, Prison time. Well, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, and I did some, I did some county time, but then uh, when I got out, didn't have a job, didn't have any place to live. It was time to come back to Los Angeles. So uh, my mom uh, still lived in the LA area, so came back home. Because I had nowhere else to go. Dear moms uh, are precious. They'll love us no matter what. Yeah, they'll forgive the and, worst of worst. You know, and they're there, which I'm very grateful for. But uh, again, so it you know started one more time. You know, you know, got a job in uh, Northridge and found the same kind of people that like to do what I like to do. And it was a matter of time. I'm now I'm, it's 1984 and. We often, you know, we often joke about, you know, you know, either passing out or waking up. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm, I'm either passing out or waking up, and I'm watching this commercial on TV, and it's talking about: Is your life a mess? Uh, is alcohol a problem? Do you have you lost your job because of alcohol? Do you have family? Uh, and I'm answering yes to all these questions, mm-hmm. you know. And it's like four o'clock in the morning, and. And the 800 number flashes in front of me. And I'm at that moment, I'm feeling that demoralization for that one instant. So I call. First thing they asked me was if I had insurance. Because mm-hmm. it was a, a treatment program. Mm-hmm. And uh, fortunately, I hadn't lost my job yet. I was, getting, I was on the edge of losing my union job. So uh, I said, yeah, I have insurance. And... They checked it out and they said, "Yeah, you know, your insurance covers it. Uh, we can come and get you." He says, now I'm, I'm kind of coming to my senses, <laughs> so now I'm thinking, "Well, I'm not ready yet." That pitiful demoralization faded away, right? You know, and maybe because I was waking up or something. So now um, I told him, though, I said, I'll, I'll, "I'll do this thing in two weeks." So I, I gave myself two weeks. I gave. I called my boss, told him that I was going to need some time off. I still had the job. Made all the necessary arrangements. Uh, didn't tell anyone that I was going to be doing this. Uh, didn't even tell my mom. And I just, um, But what my plan was, since I'm going to give up drinking, I'm going to go out with, in a bang. You know, my, my plan was I'm going to party like there's never, you know. Yeah, like never, there's no tomorrow. There's no tomorrow. There's not going to be a tomorrow. <laughs> so that, that was the plan. And I did that. My last night, I'm drinking a low and brow. And now it's 4 o'clock in the morning, and I'm driving home. And, and I remember this promise that I made with God, that if he kept me alive these next two weeks, that I would go ahead and follow up and go into this program. So that's what I did. And I graduated that program. It's funny. We, we, we say we graduate right. from these uh, treatment centers. How, how long were you It was a two-week program. Mm-hmm. It was a, a medically induced, it was a aversion therapy. Oh, okay. Uh, kind of like uh, the one Or they I, give you the shot they and give then you, say have a drink and they give you, you two shots. puke it up. One shot closes your small intestine and the other shot is antabuse. Mm-hmm. So then they say drink up. Yeah. And uh, so basically 
by the time you're done with the program, you don't want to pick up that drink, whatever it was. Uh, again, mine was a beer, uh, Lohenbrau. So, uh, but it was funny. We're we're having alumni come to this. You know, they call they, these people that graduated. They're coming to a, our uh, two week stay, and they're telling us how you know it's working in their life. And this one guy he comes up, and after the counselor leaves, he goes and says, "You know, this program didn't really work." I said, "What?" He goes, "Yeah, it took me a while, but I can drink again. I can drink again." <laughs> and I'm thinking, that guy's an alcoholic because he he forced himself to be able to drink. And I'm thinking, yeah, that guy has problems. Not you know, I'm not him. Right, I'm you not know, like I, him. I'm not like him. There's no way. That good old terminal uniqueness. You know, it's not going to be me. Long story short, I, I graduated and I, I stayed sober for a whole year. I didn't drink for a whole year, uh, and that was one of the things that I kind of made a promise to myself that I was going to do this thing for a year and see see how it went. But that year, I was pretty miserable. Because I, I was coming to meetings for the first 90 days, and I was uh, looking at all the tools that they had to offer to for this sobriety thing. Right. You're talking about AA, AA. at this point. Yeah, at this okay. point, yeah. So I was going to meetings, and uh, and that was the other thing. So when we graduated, completed our two-week program, they gave us an AA book, big book, and a 12 and 12, and they said, go to meetings. So... You know, and that's what we did, and that's what I did. But I stopped going to meetings for a while, after 90 days. Uh, but I didn't drink. But I was miserable, because that whole time I, I wanted to drink. But I, I said I'm going to give myself a year. I got that year. Uh, I went to a, an AA meeting that i never been to before. And I was going to tell them that I got a year. I want a medallion, and see you later. Mm-hmm. I went to that meeting in the basement. Uh, I didn't say who I was. I didn't say I had a year. And after the serenity prayer, I let go of those hands, and it got worse. It talks about it in the big book. It gets worse. Yeah. And for me, that's what had to happen. So now I'm, uh, I'm still in Southern California. Got to the point where now I'm losing my job again. Mm-hmm. You're, you're back drinking. When I'm, you say I'm, it got worse, you meant. Yeah, it, it back to back to right back where to, you were, back and to where and increased and made it made made everything worse. Sure, just you know knowing right from wrong, but I still made all the wrong choices, mm-hmm. and it just it just continued to get bad. So now I'm uh, losing a job one more time. Uh, I have a son in my, in my life that. My mom has to remind me that I haven't called or seen him in six months or nine months or whatever it was, and uh, getting kicked out of the apartment. Uh, just everything's falling apart one more time. So now I have to make a choice. This is where my bottom is, the one that keeps me here in these rooms of uh, the 12 steps. I uh, Basically, I'm getting ready to lose my job. Again, when my back's against the wall. And I have no choice but to do what I'm going to do because that's my thinking, as messed up as it was. So now I'm getting ready to, uh, I was an evening manager of a grocery store. And uh, this is 1986, end of 86. My job at night is to make sure the money that we accumulate, and this, this is 1986, 87, so we still had cash right, and people sure. were paying with checks. And ATMs were barely coming around. 
Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of cash in these drawers. Right. And my job at night is to make sure that the cash from the individual checkers gets out of the drawers and makes it upstairs into the safe. You know, I'm, this time I, I'm somewhat trustworthy because right. uh, they don't know everything about me yet. <laughs> so uh, that particular night, I'm, I'm going to the register, taking out $500 cash and signing that I picked it up. The checker signs that she gave it to me. So then my next step is go upstairs, log it into the, the, the books, and then drop it into the safe. So I'm doing everything all night long except that last step. I'm not dropping it into the safe because I've already decided that what I'm going to do is I'm going to take as much money as I can and uh, get out of Dodge. So at the end of the night, I'm looking at $13,000 cash in front of me. So when you're desperate, when you got nothing else to live for, $13,000 seems like a lot of money mm-hmm. to, uh, to go somewhere for the rest of your life and just disappear. So I made that choice. We lock up at midnight. There's two guys that are with me. They don't know what's going on in regards to the money. They're just doing their night duties. And uh, I set the alarm. I have all this money. Again, this is 1987, 86, whatever it was. And that's when they had uh, all those uh, pants with the pockets. Yeah, cargo pants. Cargo pants. So they had all kinds of pockets. So that's where I put all the cash in my pockets. And I locked up the door. And now, one more time, I'm making it worse. And I know that, but I have no choice. It's something that I have to do. My back's against the wall. So now uh, I'm home at the girlfriend's apart- ex-girlfriend's apartment. She let me in because I owed her some money. I told her I had some money. Now it's the next day is 3 o'clock. And at 3 o'clock, Armour always shows up at the grocery store to pick up all that money. So now i got to really get out of Dodge. So I get her to take me to Burbank Airport. i got to go somewhere and live there the rest of my life. So a thought came to my head, Boise, Idaho. I had never been to Boise, Idaho, but it sure sounded far away. <laughs> and I figured, Some people still think it's far away. <laughs> From Moscow, Idaho. <laughs> and I really, really believe, because uh, if you're like me, you'll believe anything you tell yourself. Mm-hmm. And uh, I really believe that I was going to live in Boise, Idaho the rest of my life with $13,000. That was the plan. And how old were you at this point, Ed? 30 years old. 30 years old. Okay. Yeah, all right. <laughs> so that's what my thought process was. Not much thought into this process. No. So now... I'm at Burbank, and the one that goes to Boise, Idaho, doesn't leave until 7 p.m., but I got to get out of California. But there's one going to Las Vegas. So I told myself, I'll go to Las Vegas, and then from there, I'll go to Boise, Idaho. Long story short, uh, Las Vegas is not a good place to go if you have $13,000 and you, and you have some kind of a gambling addiction. Oh. And that only shows up when I'm in Las Vegas. Funny right. how that works. Yeah. <laughs> So now I'm in, I'm in Las Vegas and gambling and drinking and everything else. Three days later, I'm walking the streets of Las Vegas because I, I have no more money. Now that, that demoralization, that pitiful feeling inside, one more time. Kicks know, in again. Yeah. One more time. I'm, 
it, it's hitting me hard. This time it hits me hard. And I got to make a phone call. I have to call and break my mom's heart one more time. You know, by this time they were already at her house looking for me. But she had to hear it from me. And uh, she lived with an alcoholic for 27 years. My, my dad died an alcoholic death. So one more time I'm breaking this woman's heart. But I, I, I don't know what else to do. Like I said, moms will be there for you no matter what. Right. You know, and uh, even though I know I don't want to do that, but I got nowhere else to go. So I call her up, tell her uh, what I've done, tell her I want to come home, and I want I want this, this thing to stop. I want, you know, I want whatever's going on in my life with alcohol just stop. So I made it, made it back to L.A. This was in Ventura County, and... Uh, Went to court, April 5th, 1987. That's when I started my sentence. Uh, and that's my first day, of, that's my sober date. And I ended up doing, uh, I was looking at three years in penitentiary. And uh, there's a God in my life. And uh, I ended up just doing county time, which is amazing for right, felonies. Right, for a huge yeah, felony like yeah, that. Yeah. yeah, along with all the other stuff that was tagged, all, tagged right. along with it. So, again, that was just miracles that were working in my life. And I look back at it, and that's what it was. And that was the start of my, my sobriety. Mm-hmm. You know, I had to get locked up one more time for, for a longer stay. Yeah. Yeah, that was the beginning of, of my sobriety. Well, we take a quick break here, Eddie, listen to a couple of tunes, or a tune. And uh, we'll come back and uh, start talking about how things get better. Sounds good. All right. You're listening to Recovery Radio on KRFP 90.3 FM, Moscow, Pullman. We'll be right back.
Welcome back, everybody. Hope you enjoyed that little tune. In here talking with Eddie P. about his uh, recovery journey. And uh, we left off with, uh, with you in jail. Yeah. Um, after you had uh, decided that you had, you had what we call in the program a moment of clarity, where you realized that you couldn't just go on, you know, with this felony theft hanging over your head they talk about the incomprehensible demoralization that happens after you know a certain point of time uh you know drinking or using i mean as far as i'm concerned they you know fall into the same bucket you know my first drug was alcohol and my last drug was alcohol but probably not unlike you whatever else came along that uh, altered my brain and allowed me to feel okay in my own skin was was fine too so anyway, so you've made this decision, you, you've faced the circumstances, and you're in jail. Let's kind of fast forward through that uh, time, and you're getting close to getting out. And, uh, you know, like we were talking in the break, it's, it's easier to stay sober in jail. I mean, we all know that stuff's available, but, you know, you're not going to get a regular supply, so you're not going to be able to drink or use like you want to uh, without some consequences uh, so uh, here you are Eddie you're, you're getting ready to get out what's going to happen next what where was your your thought process at that point I was very fortunate I uh, well and while I was doing my time uh, actually a group of AAers came into the, the jail cells and did uh, 12-step calls Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we, you know, it's uh, hospitals and institutions. Yeah, the H and I. H and I, and these guys would come in and share how their life has changed because they were uh, fortunate enough to walk into the rooms of AA or any twelve-step program, mm-hmm. and uh, their life changed. So uh, I was uh, getting to getting to hear those stories and seeing these these people come in with smile on their faces. Talk about a new way of life. And it started to sound pretty good. Well, I, I had the opportunity to lament on my situation. So as I'm getting ready to get out, now I have to make a choice. I have to decide, is this what I really want and how I go about getting it? So uh, they came in and they would leave literature. And, you know, I, one more time, I'm, I'm getting ready to get out and... Uh, I'm going to go back to my mom's place one more time when I get out of jail because uh, before you get out, you have to give them an address where you're going to be. Right. right. So uh, so I would imagine you also had some probation. I had five, year, five, years, five years probation mm-hmm. uh, along with the restitution. Right. And, and uh, so all of this is ready to take place. And, uh, and, you know, I really need to decide the day that I got out. Was I going to go straight 
back to what I was doing mm-hmm. or, you know, was this time that I got to spend with myself, make that decision. So the day that I got out, I uh, got a directory and uh, near my mom's house, and I, I went to an AA meeting. I knew what was going to happen. Because I had been to a few before. Right, right, you in know, 90 so, and 90. Yeah, yeah. so I kind of knew, you know, the, the gist of it, you know, the readings. and But, uh, but this time I was, I was prepared to uh, make the right choice. Oh, you're ready to I was, take some action. I was, I was ready to reach out to people that I want to walk to these rooms. They stuck out their hand and they, they were offering me this fellowship. They were offering me phone numbers. They were offering me this friendship. They were offering me a new way of life that they were successful at, and they were willing to share it with me. I needed to take that step. I needed to be in those rooms, particularly that that first night, and uh, stand up and identify myself as a newcomer. And and what I did is, my name's Eddie P. I'm an alcoholic. I take that first step. Mm-hmm. Uh, and right away, you know, but you know that monkey that's on our back mm-hmm. was actually a gorilla, right? Uh, about half of that was gone. That weight, by just making that that declaration. Yep. You know that. Yeah, I, I I got a problem, and I need to do something about it. And that was the beginning. I did the same thing. I, I went to ninety meetings in ninety days. I forgot the first. The first time I talked about 90 meetings in 90 days. In Southern California, I did 90 different meetings in 90 days. Right. Because it's easy to do in a, sure. in a big, big city. Right. And you don't... And you don't get to see the same people, people in twice. There. Yeah. So this time, I made it... I intentionally went back to the same meeting every single night. Because uh, I really wanted this. Right. I really wanted this... This thing called sobriety, this this new way of life. I, I really wanted to uh, have a smile on my face like everybody that was in these rooms. They really, they honestly seemed really happy. Yeah, I remember walking into, uh, going into my first meeting and standing in the parking lot and looking in the windows of these people laughing, talking, smoking cigarettes, drinking coffee. I mean, it looked like a, you know, a little social event, yeah. you know. It was not what I expected. No, I just, I, I could feel something going on in these rooms. You know, it's, it's hard to explain. Right. You know, it's just like, it's, 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 you know, people ask me how it works. And I, I said, I don't know how it works, but I believe it works. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm willing to share that with others. So I, I started... Uh, Right away, I, I went to a step study in 12 and 12, uh, a book study in mostly men's, men's groups, mm-hmm. and found a sponsor right away, a person that's going to guide me through the, the steps as well as be a friend. Right. You know? I've, I've Actually, it's funny is when people are talking about sponsors in meetings, I try and make a point of saying to that new guy that's in the room, it's like, you know, sponsors kind of an old phrase. Like in the elite clubs, you had to be sponsored in by somebody who was already a member. In AA, it's really more of a guide. It's a guy who's 
been there, hacked through them bushes before, knows where the trail is, right. how to follow it. And, uh, yeah, I, I, when I first heard sponsor, I went, oh, what kind of cult am I getting into here? <laughs> so anyway, yeah. I'm sorry. No, no, no right. yeah. But that, so, I always think of that. And then you even said, you know, somebody who can show you the way. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was, uh, and, I, and I'm grateful that I did that time because uh, I see people coming into these rooms even today and right off the streets, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't know if I could have done that. But my God knew that I couldn't do that. So I, when I got out, I had some time, mm-hmm. you know, and I had already an introduction because of the H and I, you know, and I had, you know, uh, so I was I was blessed to, that was my path, to, right, to make it into the rooms, and then once I made it, I had to decide, honestly, did I really want to put the work into it, because uh, it's there's some work involved, right, staying sober. Oh yeah, it's just not. I I don't want to drink anymore. And click, it happens. Right. No, that's it. Does, doesn't work like that. Yeah, you got to uh, you got to put in the effort and you know follow a few simple twelve suggestions. They actually call it in the book. These these are the steps which are suggested as a program of recovery. Yeah. So yeah. you know, and you have you just have to you really have to just be teachable, just be willing to give it a try. Yeah. I mean, that's what I did. I had tried everything else. And it's like when you're looking for your car keys and you find them, do you keep looking? No. <laughs> that would be crazy. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, so I got, I got, um, I got busy in, in, in these rooms, uh, you know, working the steps, you know. Uh, the hardest ones were... Uh, not that they're really hard. I mean, you look back, it was it, it's a simple program, as, as mm. we say. Uh, and we just make it as difficult as we want to. But uh, just uh, doing, you know, doing step eight and nine basically turned it around for me. Right. Step eight being we make a list of all the people we had harmed and become willing to make amends to them all. And then step nine, we make direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. But yeah, that's that's part of what we call cleaning up our side of the street. Yeah, yeah. and uh, it was uh, it was it was important that that I did that. And uh, honestly, when you come into these rooms, you know, everybody, you know, we, you know everybody. Well, I, I can make amends to my mom. I can make amends to my kids because they're going to forgive me. It, it's it's really simple. Right. But those hard ones are the ones that I think, for me, uh, is the reason why I'm still in these rooms. Mm-hmm. You got to make those difficult ones that you know you're sitting across the room from someone that you hurt, and you know, and you're and and all I was there for was just to admit to that person that I was wrong, right? And, and whatever happens, happens. Right, right. You Which, just we admit. We were wrong and asked what we can do to right it, if anything. If anything. And, you know? and sometimes it, it's brutal. Yeah. But it, it, it's kept me here. Yep. You know, and so, yeah, so then I started, uh, I just started really going to continue going to meetings. Mm-hmm. Uh, I started getting involved in uh, service work like uh, my sponsor did and his sponsor and, and many of the men that I hang out with. Uh, we just got busy, in particular H and I, 
Sure. So now I'm going into jails and prisons and uh, lockdown facilities, particularly uh, up in, uh, it's down in Southern California, uh, youth authorities. Mm-hmm. So maybe they can hear my story before they really make the wrong choices before they hit 21. Right. And that continued to uh, just uh, build my uh, my confidence in, in the choices that I'm making about sobriety. You know, just looking back, you know, that, that just helped me, made me stronger. Sure. And in, in that I'm doing the right thing. You know, and I got, like I said, I stayed busy in, in, in these rooms, uh, whatever it was. Yeah. Making coffee, cleaning ashtrays like we did back in the yeah, in yeah. the ancient times, and uh, setting up chairs, breaking down tables. I mean, we do it today. It's all it's all in the name of service, and that really comes out in in the uh, uh, the twelfth step, which is you know having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps. We try to. Uh, carry the message to the still-suffering alcoholic, and then practicing these principles in all our affairs. And, you know, that's where service work comes in. You know, we got to carry the message. This, you know, you can't just walk up to somebody who's, you know, going through DTs in the hospital and toss a big book on their lap and say, the answer's in the first 164 pages. <laughs> Good luck, because that's, you know... The paper's fine, and they can use it to roll cigarettes, but that's about all they're going to do with it. You know, we got to carry the message. we got to show them what we did to, uh, you know, make a change happen. And also, you know, when when uh, people are uh, at a lot of meetings, they ask for, you know, are people celebrating AA anniversaries, you know, uh, 24 hours, 30, 60, 90 days, 6, 9 months, and then annuals. You know, I didn't used to speak up because I thought it was humility that was keeping me from sharing it because I've got quite a few 24 hours. And somebody told me, they said, no, if you got some time, you need to share so that that new person coming in can look at you after hearing your story and go, my story sounds a lot like their story. And they've got, like I've got 28 years now. You know, awesome. that's a few 24 hours. You know, you've got even more. You you got smart before I did. <laughs> but it's it's important. It's important that people are able to see that it can happen. It does work. You know, that's how people have sought me out to sponsor them. You know, they, we tell people when they come in, listen to the stories. Find someone whose story is close to yours. And if, if they have the sobriety you want, that's your sponsor. Go ask them. I've never said, no, I can't say that. I've said no to one sponsor, one person who asked me to sponsor them, but it was because I was already sponsoring like five guys at that particular time. And it would be a disservice, you know, right. to that person. But I walked him over and handed him off. I said, okay, this, <laughs> I know this guy real well. Uh, you won't like him at all. He's your new sponsor. <laughs> and my buddy's like, oh, what? Okay. Because <laughs> what's the answer in AA, Eddie? Yeah. Yes. Yes. It's always yes. You say yes, no matter what. That's right. I mean, there's a possibility that you're not going to be able to do something, but then, you know, you ask him when you can. 
Right. You know, you know, yeah. The, the thing about it is, you know, you know, we hear the phrase a lot, you know, we you can't keep this if you don't give it away. Right. You know, and, and that, that hit, it hit me hard. I, I needed to just give this away. As you were saying, you know, you know, we see so many people that need this program. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, and, you know, we we're there just to be an example, right? You know, it's just, you know, and then they come up to us and you know and say, hey, you know, how'd you do it, right? And we'll sit down and this is what I did. This is you know how the group of men surrounded me and led me this way. It's something that you know uh, I enjoy doing. Right. You know, I, I enjoy walking uh, other men through this program sure and giving them you know what i was given you know and then and then if i can't there's other men that can right and i gotta always remember that there's so many people out there that you know that need this program sure but and, and there's the ones that want it yeah yeah there's a lot that need it um it, but we can help the ones that want it yeah, because exactly. they're the ones who will actually, and that's I think the the really the first step of you know any kind of program of recovery is saying I need help, somebody help me please, and that's kind of what happened to me when I went into that first meeting, kind of through tears I said, um, my name's Johnny, I'm an alcoholic, and I need help. I I can't live like I've been living anymore. I need help. I don't know how to I don't know how to not drink. I just don't at that point because I had lost all choice in the matter, and that's the way it goes. So we're getting close to uh, time here, Eddie, but uh, maybe quickly go over how's life now. Obviously, your your kids love you enough to want you around. <laughs> you moved all the way from uh, sunny Southern California to now snowy Moscow, Idaho, and you're able to be with your kids and your grandchild and uh in a couple of weeks you're going back to la back to, to help LA. out with another grandchild on the way and i know you've been helping that child with uh, moving into a new house and getting things going you sound like a popular guy what's up with that no life life is uh life is fantastic i uh life is good i mean like i said yeah you know my sobriety date is you know april 5th 1987 that's 36 plus years uh, and somewhere along the way I was able to keep a job for 30 plus years wow and I retired who knew uh, that wasn't even a thought in, in in my mind when I was out there you know retirement pff, not even right. uh, and today you know I have the, the the blessings of you know having retirement uh, having enough savings which, you know, yeah, when you were out sad, there, we yeah. never saved. I had never had a nickel in my pocket, as we would say. Right. You know, and today that's not the st that's not the case. Right. You know, it's just yeah, it's just uh, retirement. You know, uh, enjoying those benefits. We get to travel, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, but mostly it's just you know being there for our kids. Yeah. You know, uh, simple as you know watching the babysitting for a couple of hours so they can do something. You know. Sure. Uh, you know, or just give them a break. It's just, you know, three kids, you know, you know, they need a break. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, and we're only not even 10 minutes away. Right. So, you know, we, we're close by. We can, you know, they give us a call. We can go over and say, oh, yeah, we'll watch them for a few hours. Go, sure. you know, go do whatever you got to do. Uh, no, no, it's just that and just... Uh,
just the freedom. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, just happy, joyous, and free. Just the freedom <laughs> of just uh, knowing that you know uh, my life is uh, is good. It's uh, beyond what I honestly I don't know about you, Johnny, but I didn't have any dreams when I was out there. I didn't have a single dream. Today, that's not the case. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, there's, there's so many things that you know. We can and we and we plan. We make we plan, we make a lot of plans, and sometimes they don't happen, and that's right. okay. Right. You know, I've learned that you know we can plan. Right. Sure. Without those expectations, mm-hmm. which you know back then they were, you know, you you, you said you're going to do something, didn't happen. That was another reason to drink. Right. Exactly. You know, exactly. Just, those expectations aren't there, and that's just that's that freedom. Right. Well, and the freedom to uh, the freedom to realize that if uh, what you were hoping to do uh, doesn't come to fruition, you can be okay with it. It's going to be okay. You don't have to drink at it. Uh, you know that that sort of thing. The freedom to uh, and and just the freedom to uh, be able to wake up in the morning. I get on my knees. I ask God to. Uh, you know, my God and my non-understanding. I speak to this thing. I have no idea what it is, where it is, how it works, uh, just to uh, get me through another day without hurting anybody. And then uh, at night, just say thank you, you yeah. know, for getting through the day. Yeah, and I mean, then, uh, you know, I'll make mistakes, oh, but yeah. I get a chance to I get a chance to make them right. Yeah. Not just say I'm sorry, I'm sorry, because that that phrase doesn't work in my house it's anymore. It's faded in my, and that word's faded out yeah. in, in in my vocabulary. But yeah, I know. Just uh, every morning, I uh, I take that first step. Mm-hmm. I'm an alcoholic. That that's never going to change. It's just what I do about it. Yeah. And what what my choice is that day. Yeah. You know, and, and I'm grateful that uh, I'm able to make the correct choice. Mm-hmm. One more day, yep, and that's all we have. Right, one day at a time. One, man. one day. At, my sponsor told me earlier, there's no one has broken the record for for twenty four hours because <laughs> there's only twenty four hours in one day. No one's broke, broken that record yet. So remember right. that. He told me that. Always remember that. Yep. Well, Eddie, I want to thank you for uh, coming in and spending this time with us and sharing your your story. Uh, I relate to a lot of it. Uh, you know, just the thinking, just the stinking thinking. It, it seems to be constant with, uh, you know, everyone I've ever met in this People program. Like us. <laughs> yeah. So thanks again. And, uh, you know, we'll be seeing you around the block for sure. And I'm going to close off with my usual. You know, if you think you have a problem with alcohol or other drugs, you do. Mm-hmm.